Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast, a community of caring. I am Jamie Truman, your host. I'm one of the co-founders of Truman Charities. Our organization has raised over $1 million for several different charities as we share our message of helping others and paying it forward. We plan to continue to educate our audience on the culture of giving. On this podcast, I will interview fellow charity founders, volunteers, sponsors, and other people in the community who will share their stories. You will hear and be inspired by their selflessness and passion for helping others. Welcome to another episode of Community of Caring. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast for your chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card and my favorite gratitude journal. Please screenshot your review before you hit submit and send it to me via Facebook at Truman Charities or Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities. Now, let me introduce my guest today. She is an animal lover and activist, executive director of Montley Zoo Animal Rescue, Jamie Thomas. How are you, Jamie? Hi, good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you on. And I think a lot of our listeners are too. We have so much information to go over and people are going to learn so much today. So first, let's get started with people, the listeners that don't know your organization. Can you tell me exactly what is Motley Zoo Animal Rescue and what is your mission? So Motley Zoo is a foster-based animal rescue and we're volunteer powered and we rescue and rehome animals that are mostly going to die in shelters um, because the shelters can't help them in the way that they need. So sometimes that's a medical or behavioral need. Sometimes the shelters are just overflowing. Sometimes we take animals from owners that can't keep them. Maybe the owners have health problems or they're moving, or maybe the animals have health problems that are too expensive for them. So we're giving animals a second chance and putting them in a new home while they will never again be abused, neglected, found homeless, and won't be having any unwanted litters. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that. Now, I think this is an interesting story. How did your dog Jasmine inspire you to start this organization? Oh boy. Yeah. So growing up, I was never allowed to have a dog or a cat. My dad, um, he pretended he was allergic to them. And so even though I was such an animal lover, I never had a dog or cat. And when I met my husband, I used to be like, I want a dog. I want a dog. And he said, when we have a fence, then we can have a dog. And so we found a house with a little fence and I was like, okay, that means we can get a dog. And so we ended up getting this little dog named Jasmine and she was so funny, so unique, so smart, but she had been in a foster situation where someone had been watching her for about six weeks. And when I went to meet her, I was like, so you just watch this dog for a while and then you let it go to somebody. I could never do that. (laughs) And so I adopted her and she didn't really love getting like, she didn't love other dogs, but I felt like that was kind of a puzzle that needed to be figured out. And I wanted her to be a a real dog that liked to play and liked to be with other dogs. And so I got this email that said, these dogs will die if you don't help today. And I took it very seriously. And I, I said to my husband, can we please foster a dog? And he's like, we're not keeping another dog. And I said, I don't want to keep a dog. I just want to help Jasmine. And I want to save this dog's life. And he's like, okay, but I think you're crazy. (laughs) And so he really, he did. He left me kind of on my own for that one. I went to the shelter and got this foster dog. And somehow I introduced them in my brain a way that I thought dogs would want to be introduced and knowing Jasmine and her particular things. 
And so when my husband got home, Jasmine was on my lap and this little dog or big dog actually was on the floor next to my feet and his eyes just bugged out of his head. And yeah, so Jasmine inspired me to help her and to save all these animals. And it took her three years to learn how to play. But she finally started playing and I was sobbing and videotaping and I was like, oh my gosh, she played today. Mom. <laughs> yeah. Now, how many dogs have you personally fostered? Oh, goodness. I've kind of lost track. But for the first, I don't know, maybe six years, five or six years, almost every dog went through my home before it went to somebody else's. So it's over a thousand for sure. And probably closer to two, maybe. So yeah, and that's dogs and cats. But there were points in my house where I had 10 dogs and, you know, things like that. So um, a lot of vacuuming. It is. It is. Or yeah, I have hardwoods, so sweeping, but yeah. (laughs) Now, I actually was interested in hearing this answer, and I think a lot of people are too. Can you explain the difference between an organization that fosters animals and a rescue shelter? Sure. This is actually one of my favorite topics because it is something that is so misunderstood by people. Um, If you think about a bookstore in a library, they both have books. But you can't go into a bookstore and say, hey, I'm going to borrow this and just walk out. They serve each person differently for different reasons. So the same with animal shelters and rescues. Um, Just because we all have animals doesn't mean we all do the same thing. So rescues operate via a network of foster homes. So these are people volunteering to take in this animal and keep them in their home. And as you can imagine, they're not in one place and nor are they like readily available for someone to just walk in and be like, hey, I want to see those dogs. Never mind, like, where would you walk into when it's normally just a network of homes? Motley Zoo is different that we do have a facility, but most rescues don't. So most rescues are individual homes, volunteers, and they may never, ever be together in the same room. It's all done via the internet and emails and things like that. A shelter is definitely a place where you can go and all the animals live there or primarily all of them. Shelters also have foster systems too sometimes which helps them, you know, take care of sick animals. And once they're well, then they can come back and get adopted. But they are more about being able to take in a stray animal because they have kennels waiting, or, you know, you have to surrender your animal that day, or you want to adopt an animal that day. Shelters can usually help you with that. Um, With COVID, things are a little different. They're actually operating more like a foster home. And I think they're finding it far more convenient to be appointment-based and and things like that. But yeah, it'll take you a few days to adopt from, to a few weeks to adopt from a rescue, just to make sure you're getting matched with the right animal. Whereas in a shelter, you could really go in and pick a dog and who knows if it's going to be the right dog for you, but that's kind of how it works. <laughs> right. That's so interesting because I think a lot of people, such as myself, I didn't realize the difference between fostering and a rescue shelter. So I am interested for you to talk a little bit about the Rockstar Treatment Services and the Mission Center Studio that you guys have. Yes. Yeah, so this is where I said that Motley Zoo is unique in that we are a rescue, but we have a facility. So from day one, we kind of envisioned this place where we could all gather, we could do events, we could store supplies, we could host classes and do daycare. And then that service would help us support the rescue. Um, as you can imagine, while charities rely on donations, it's actually kind of a it's kind of a scary thing to have to rely on donations. So we wanted to do something proactive where we could do this ourselves. We could make the facility work for us and earn money for us and become kind of a 
a tangible place in the community. So in 2014, we opened a Rockstar Treatment, and that is dog daycare and training. And you know, prior to COVID, we would have 50, 60 dogs playing in our facility every day. But since COVID, what we've found is the demand is far more towards training. So a lot of people got dogs or puppies during the shutdowns. And so we had so many more people needing training than daycare at this time that we pivoted a little, but it's great because we're making sure these animals are going to stay in their homes. They're not going to come to us as surrenders. And all of that is helping us uh, raise money for the rescue and helping be that place that people recognize within the community as a place to go. Because a lot of rescues, because they're virtual, people don't really know who they are. So we're seen as more of a shelter um, kind of aspect by the community. Oh, I love that. Now, have you seen, you mentioned it a little bit uh, when you were just answering that question, but did you see an increase of people that are wanting to adopt during the pandemic? Yes, definitely. And it's still going on. So in an average year, I would say 350 animals is about how many we adopt out. Last year, we adopted out 450. Wow. And I had no idea we could really actually do that many animals. But we, I don't want to make animals sound like a commodity, but we can't keep enough in stock. Like there's a waiting list and they're going through so quickly. And we are having to search further and wider to find animals that are in need of rehoming that aren't, you know, special needs or behaviorally needy. There's a lot of those and we work with those too, but just average adoptable animals. Washington has a really great spay and neuter program. So there's not a lot of unwanted litters here, but there may be in Southern states and along the coast. And so there's a lot of transports happening, but even those are, people are adopting them along the way. So they're not even making it as far as they used to. Now, what do you do when you have animals that are in critical care and need extreme medical needs? So we are very proud to say that, especially until the pandemic, we have never said no to an animal based on the estimate of their care. We believe that they're worth more than that number at the bottom of a vet bill, and we will do whatever it takes as long as the prognosis is good, you know, the quality of life is there. We hit a point during the pandemic where it got a little a little dicey and we had to tell everybody, you know, hey, people were really having to say no and we don't want to. So yeah, so when we take an animal in, we, we do need a foster home ready and, and available. If it's an emergency, usually that's a board member, someone, you know, skilled and experienced that will commit to the dog or cat until we can find a person who's ready to take care of them. But you know, we'll, we'll send them to the ER or we'll take them to a specialist and, you know, we'll assess all their medical needs. So, I mean, we have a cardiologist, we have an eye specialist, we have an orthopedic specialist, and we try and use the best of the best. And um, while they are great and they offer us discounts, they do not do anything for free. So it is very expensive and it's not uncommon for us to spend three, five, $7,000 on an animal, especially we've had some with heart holes in their heart and they had to have that fixed, but they, one of them comes to daycare every day. And so I see him and I know we saved his life and he has an amazing life and you would never know that he has a heart condition. <laughs> He's oh my crazy. Gosh. I love that. That's such a beautiful story. Now, what is the process for fostering an animal? So what we want to know in fostering is Who's in your home people-wise? Who's in your home pet-wise? What's your experience with different behaviors or health conditions? And the idea is that even though it's temporary, we are trying to match you with an animal that's going to suit you know, your needs so that it's not 
such an extreme deviation from your life or what, you know, may fit in your life. So obviously if you have kids, then we're going to, you know, that dog is going to be assessed to make sure that it's good with kids. And most dogs are good with other dogs. And, um, you know, if we, we can work on little things here and there, but it's, it's about creating a match, even when it's temporary. And for people that are, a lot of people are afraid to foster. So, you know, thinking about it is a lot harder than actually doing it. And, um, I always say that you just might like it. It might be the best thing you ever did. So you can't say you can't until you try it once. If you try it once and you really don't want to do it again, don't, but it's worth giving a try once. And we also say that the adults are the ones that have a harder time giving up the animals than the kids to kids new is novel. And so they're like, Oh, who's coming next? Let's help another animal. Yay. And the parents are the ones that are like, Oh, can we keep this dog? And I'm like, no, you have four. Let's not keep that dog. Let's give it a a new home. So friends don't let friends keep too many animals either, but it's really fun. It can be challenging and it's not always convenient, but it is so rewarding. And that's almost feel bad for people that have never tried it because they don't know what they're missing out on. And for me, that, that's what I want to share with people. It saves a life and it, it can really change yours. Oh, I love that. Now, what is the process if you're looking to adopt? So in adoption, it, both foster and adoption start with the application so we can get to know you. That's the idea is that we've spent a lot of time with these animals. We've gotten to know them and you know we know them in and out. Well, we need to get to know you a little bit too. So your name, email, and a phone number is not enough. We need to know who you are, what you're looking for, your personality, your lifestyle. And then that way we can make sure it's a really good fit. So, you know, a lot of times people apply for an animal and they're like, we want to do this, this, and this with them. And we're like, oh yeah, no, that dog doesn't like to do that. And that's really actually not a good fit based on what you said. But how about this dog that we have over here that maybe it wasn't even listed online yet because he or she just came in. And so it's really about that matching. It's about matching the, the situation, the animal, and it's about the animal's needs first. So the animals are our customer first. The adopter is a secondary customer. So when it's not easy sometimes to tell people, no, this isn't a good fit for you, or yeah, maybe they've given up all of their animals in the past and we don't want to adopt to them. It's not always easy to say no, but we have to be braver than worrying about the response or the obligation to to people to their feelings when it's what's about the animal's needs first. So we have to be absolutely objective and um, we can never ever fail to do that or then we are failing to serve the animals the way that we need to. Yeah, I really love about what you're talking about matching to making sure it's a perfect fit for that family, you know, because you want the family and the dog to have an amazing experience together. Yes. Do you guys solely just do fostering for dogs and cats or do you do you foster any other type of animals? We do. Uh, As the name zoo implies, we like to take whatever species we have resources for. So if we have a foster home available for, you know, a different kind of animal, we will. So we do guinea pigs and rabbits quite often. Um, We've had ferrets, sometimes birds and lizards. Today we're taking in a hamster. So um, yeah, and we wanted that name on purpose so that we never had to be limited by you know, which species we could take or whatever. And we've, we've helped a pig and a cow. And so sometimes it just depends on, on who's, who's ready and who's available. Who's fostering the cow? Well, we, we found a, we were taking it from someone who had saved it from a slaughterhouse. And then we were helping, you know, get that cow transported to someone who would want to keep her forever. And the same with the pig, the pig, we've never had an animal before that 
someone could consider eating for dinner. I mean, I guess you could eat a dog, but most people around here don't. So when we had a pig and we had to think about, geez, is like someone going to think that this is their dinner? Like we have to make sure that they really want this pig for a pet. So that was a whole new thing that was, uh, it was challenging, but she's in a great place and the family loves her. And they even moved like halfway across the country and they, they still send pictures of her. So. Oh, that's so cute. Now, how do you guys fundraise? That's the hardest part. I like that we have the dog daycare and training services because that's something that we can pretty much rely on that we can generate ourselves. We have control over that aspect, Um, but it doesn't fund everything. And COVID showed us like that doesn't work all the time. So we do a lot of mini campaigns. So if we have an animal in need and we're like, they need a $5,000 surgery, then we will raise money specifically for that animal. We have a lot of partners in the community that like to, you know, do different events and and fundraisers and things like that. So we we do participate in that. We have a comedy night that's ongoing now monthly that we've discovered. So um, every month we sell tickets to this comedy event that helps benefit our rescue. And I mean, what better do you have to do on a Tuesday night nowadays than just hang out and laugh and save animals? So that one's really fun. Uh, Stand Stand Pup Comedy. Yeah. Now, can you tell a little bit about that? If I bought a ticket for that event, what happens? Uh, We get $10 of if you put it under Motley Zoo's name, buy it under our link, then we get $10 of the ticket, which is about half. And then they organize comedians to come on. It's five or six entertainers and comedians, you know, people that you know from sitcoms and America's Got Talent and Last Comic Standing, things like that. And they do their thing. Sometimes it's animal related, sometimes it's not, but it's always really funny and really entertaining. And you're with a group of people who are are there for supporting other shelters too. So all across the country, there are other shelters doing the same thing. And at the end, it's super fun because they do the camera where they focus on each person and you can hold up your pet and you can talk about them and who you're supporting, why you're there. And it's been really fun. So I, I'm really super excited that they invited us to do that. And the first one was on our 12th anniversary. So they really featured us a lot. And that was so fun. So it's definitely a cool thing to do. Now, this is on a monthly basis, you said, correct? And where can you purchase tickets? So if you go to our website, motleyzoo.org, there's an event tab and you can click there and then you can see all the different events we're doing. We're also doing a push-ups for pups event now, which is not just push-ups, but it's doing different kinds of exercise over the month of May to help raise money for animals. So it's people saying like, hey, I'm going to do 500 squats. And then they do that throughout the month and people sponsor them. That's really fun. We, we did that uh, last year too. Now, what other fundraising events have you been doing since COVID happened? Since I know that you've probably had to pivot a little bit and what you usually do. Yeah, we used to be at events like every weekend. It was actually a little crazy and it was could be a little tiring. And our favorite were the concert events. We did a lot of concert events where we would um, set up a booth in the public area and then go take animals backstage and hang out with the bands that that's been really fun. But yeah, COVID changed that a lot. So we've been really trying to just be creative. We just did a fundraiser called give big, which is kind of like the regional area um, giving Tuesday event, but in spring. And um, we called it the bad pet portrait drawings. So for everybody that donated $50 or more, they sent us a picture of their pet 
And then we had volunteers of questionable ability uh, draw them. And so sometimes it's someone who's really talented and the picture comes out really great. Sometimes it's literally a crayon drawing on construction paper, but it's always fun to see what people come up with. It's a really great way to have our volunteers, you know, participate. And the donors are always excited about what what happens. And that is a really um, successful event for a lot of uh, animal charities. So if there's anybody out there that hasn't tried that before, do it. It makes, it's very, very helpful. Now, are you currently looking for volunteers? And if so, what capacity are you looking for them? Yes. One of the things that we've had to really focus on during COVID is the remote volunteer aspect, how to engage with people remotely, people that will never, maybe never meet, never see. So, you know, if you have skills for social media or or something like that, then, you know, we need to establish a relationship and kind of create an understanding and a trust that you can do this from your home, even if you've never seen us before. And then we, of course, are always looking for people to volunteer in our facility as well, to help us with the animals there during the day and, and fostering. So, there's a lot of different ways people can get involved, but it is, I've always found it challenging to engage with the remote volunteers. That's harder to do, but we are very, very focused on that because there are a lot of people with skills that don't even live in this town that would love to help us. And so we, you know, when people contact us, we really work hard on doing that. One of the other things I guess I forgot to mention is our merchandise line, Motley's Do Behind the Seams. And that is a good fundraiser for us too. And it's also a great way that people can volunteer and support. So we have volunteers that draw art for our t-shirts. So we have really fun. Some of them are music related, some of them are not, but we have a whole line of shirts that are really customizable. And so we always seek artists to help us come up with new and fun designs to sell there too. So there's a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ways people can participate. Oh, that's fantastic. Now I would like to know what what is the most important quality that you're looking for in a foster home and also for a family that's looking to adopt? I think the important part is to realize that this is about the animal and you are committed to that animal. So it's not like trying on shoes and it's like, okay, it got hard. The dog peed on the carpet. I'm going to give it back and I want to try a different dog. Like, no, that's not how it works. You know, you're trying to commit to that animal and help the animal work through those challenges that maybe would send a dog home from an adopter's home. So I call it test driving. You're test driving the the animals to kind of work out the kinks and give them a little bit of a tune-up. And so, you know, it can be a little challenging sometimes. And it, again, isn't always convenient. Sometimes the animal gets sick in the middle of the night or right now vet appointments are very hard to come by. And so, you know, if we can get you in at the vet at one o'clock today, like we all have to jump and, and get that animal there. So there's a little bit of time involved, but most of the time it's really great because it fits seamlessly into your life. I mean, you're doing this from your home with your family, with your pets, and it is relatively seamless. For adopting, so flexibility, that that would be the, the core foster trait. And then for adopters, it's just long-term commitment, you know, really assessing. We've assessed that this animal should be a good fit for you. We've told you everything we know, good or bad about this animal. And we want you to really be committed because we don't want to see that animal come back to us again in the future. And if you're struggling, we want to help, you know, we want to help you keep that animal in your home. So keeping in touch with us, making sure that we can offer training and support uh, so that level of commitment where pets are family, it they are not a piece of property. Now, what has brought you the most joy from fostering all these animals? 
Oh, well, I mean, there are some days where it would be easy if it weren't for the people, right? Like sometimes people can be hard to deal with. Um, Everybody wants the same animal all at the same time. Uh, That's a good problem to have, but really like every animal is so grateful and you can just see that you can see that on their face. You can tell that they love you and they appreciate what you've done for them. And that part's the easy part, but it is so rewarding. Every day I look at their face and I think, I did that. Like it, it's not a dream. It's not some long-term goal that I'm striving for. Every day I saved a life. And that really changed my outlook on life too. It really gave me, I don't know, I, I needed something. I was really struggling with my career and a lot of other things. And that gave me that solidarity that I'm doing something important that makes me feel purposeful. I love that. that. It was oh, so meaningful. Yes. And the the people really, I've met some of the most amazing people. Some of my best friends are people that I've met through Motley Zoo. I would never know them if it weren't for this. And I love, love, love making people happy. And that has been something I didn't expect. How, what have how these animals taught you about yourself? Well, I guess I've learned resiliency. Some of these animals have been through a lot and Sometimes I think I wish they could talk and tell me what they've been through. And then sometimes I'm so glad they can't because I wouldn't be able to handle it. I really wouldn't. So just seeing how resilient they are. I mean, you see a dog that has a broken leg and it's broken so severely it can't keep the leg or we take off their leg. And the next day they're running around, they're happy, they're a different animal because that simple thing, they didn't need that leg. Whereas obviously, you know, if a person lost an arm or a leg, it'd be really, really tragic and it'd be really hard to deal with. And, you know, there'd be a lot of soul searching that you'd have to be doing, but those animals are just, they don't let their past get them down and they live in the moment. And I really do try to live that way myself. Oh my gosh. Your organization does so much good for the community. Now, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you to help fundraise or volunteer, how would they get in touch with you? The Probably the easiest way is the general email, which is info, I-N-F-O, information at motleyzoo.org. And then that way we can kind of see which department we should send your information to. And I do a lot of the responding myself. And so... Now, is yeah. that the same contact information if someone's looking to foster or adopt? Sure. You could put foster at Motley Zoo, adopt at Motley Zoo, volunteer at Motley Zoo. Any of those will go to us and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get you sorted on what you want to help with. But info at Motley Zoo is probably the easiest to remember. Perfect. And what are your social media handles so the listeners can follow you guys and get their daily dose of little fur babies? Of course. If I was smart, I would have made them all the same, but I didn't. So for Facebook, it's at Motley Zoo Animal Rescue. And for Instagram, it's at Motley Zoo Crew. And then for Twitter, it's at Motley Zoo Rescue. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to another episode of Community Caring. Until next time. If you would like to learn more about our organization, please follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities or Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities or check out our website, trumancharities.com. I hope you enjoyed listening and hearing stories of selflessness and caring. Thank you so much. And I will see you next time. <laughs>